Welcome to Capes, Cows and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. And welcome to our weekly spoiler review show of the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Today we're going to be looking at the first episode of the show titled New World Order, directed by series director Carrie Scogland and written by series creator Malcolm Spellman. I'm your host, Jake Hart. I'm a podcaster and writer for Fresh Take Hub. And as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host. Hello, I'm David Osger. I am a writer and content creator. And uh, yeah, very excited to be back for some Marvel reviews. Yeah, we had a blast with Tom on the WandaVision review episodes. So we thought we're going to spice it up a bit and bring on another guest for this show. So please welcome everyone, Stefanos Florakis. How are you doing, Stefanos? Well, good. It's good to be here. Fantastic stuff. So, yeah, let's get straight into this then. Let's talk about sort of our relationship with these two lead characters before we get into the actual episode itself. So, Stefanos, I'd start with you. Obviously, you're a newcomer on the show. So I'd like to the audience to hear your opinions on these two characters instead of listening to me and Dave rattle on about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, so what's your opinion on these two? And also, what's your relationship with the MCU as a whole? Well... The thing is, I like both characters, and for many different reasons. Uh, one, both actors are actually very good. They're very charismatic, and they always had to bring something, not necessarily original, but definitely something charismatic. And especially when you look at a lot of the back uh, behind-the-scenes footage, you do see a lot of the humor they do bring out is something that they bring on their own. But also, I think one of the vital reasons why I do like them is because of the relationship with Steve and the fact that it was basically the heart of these films, and especially Bucky on The Winter Soldier and on Civil War. But to be honest, they very similar to how WandaVision were in the films. They were very limited to who they were, to what they could do, and because they were, like, supporting characters or even sometimes third characters and didn't get the chance to really shine uh of course one of one division really were so much better in their own show and i was really much looking forward to the same thing for this too but as for my relationship with the mcu i'm generally speaking positive because the what they have accomplished in this universe in this franchise is outstanding it's something that we never expected we were going to have as comic book fans and now that we do have it it has become almost like a staple not only to the fandom but to the industry i don't love all the films there are some films that i love more than others and and sometimes they i do find it a bit tiresome especially some films where they kind of become the same over and over again. But so far, with the shows, I'm very optimistic because this is something that I'm really looking forward for supporting characters such as Sam and Bucky to really get fleshed out. Yeah, I got very, very similar thoughts to you. But uh, Dave, what do you think of these two? Yeah, like Stefanos, I've always really enjoyed them, I think because of their links to Steve, because, you know, Captain America is one of my favorites. And 
you know, listening to these reviews and these shows, people might be like, is just every Avenger your favorite? Because I do say, you know, I like Wanda, I like Division, you know, I like like Hawkeye, he's getting his own series. But I think that's the reason is that, you know, I do like these more underrated characters, these ones who don't get as much time in the spotlight because it they, it makes them an, un, an underdog. So I think that is, you know, a big appeal of, of those characters. So that's why they've given them their own series. Because they're like, hey, they haven't had the spotlight before and this give them their own series. Uh, but apart from that, I think, say, well, well, with something like the Loki series, it's hard not to be excited and sort of into that. But say that they created a sort of series around one of the, the supporting characters from the Thor or Iron Man films, I would possibly be not as excited. But the fact that, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier or sort of Sam and, and Bucky are so integral to the story of winter soldier and civil war which are two of my favorite mcu films especially civil war because especially bucky you know his part in that is really integral and sam throughout has just been a a great character and i think that that's evident in like you know the on the left you know that's become like this big you know meme and you know gif that you see you know you see around the place and i think that that's where you're seeing here in this show as well is that the the charisma like stefanos mentioned from actors like anthony mackie he's he's got such a charm and such a sort of wit and charisma to him uh, that it, it really comes through on screen and i think that's fantastic so yeah i've always really enjoyed these characters i like them because they're linked to, to captain america but also because they're quite different and that they've got you know very great stories to tell you know with falcon they made the effort in winter soldier to be like giving him this backstory of you know he was you know involved in the military and he was helping people through you know P you know ptsd uh, with the army which was really great and obviously you know bucky is just walking ptsd so uh yeah they, you know they've always made sure that these characters have something that makes them so more deep and fleshed out characters which you know if another character from the mcu got a random show who hadn't had that before then it would be less to sort of cling on to or to, to sort of work with so i think that that's why this works and like i said because they've been such charismatic and enjoyable characters in the past yeah uh, i don't want to sound too repetitive here but i sort of agree with a lot of what you guys are saying um that's not to say i like all the avengers but you know falcon and the winter soldier they're pretty interesting characters and i think it's really interesting that they've paired them up in this show because when you look at it both of these characters couldn't be more different from each other while if you look at wandavision there was that connection there between them you know sort of all sort of came from the mindstone and stuff like that but with falcon he's a stoic char charismatic guy who's, you know, always wanting to do the best thing. And then, as you said, Dave, uh, Bucky's just a walking PTSD. He's a case study in himself. So I love the Winter Soldier movie. I would probably say that is the MCU's best movie as itself, you know, as a film in itself. The acting, the direction, everything about it is just stellar. I thought the introduction of Falcon was a fantastic addition to the Captain America world. Uh, the Winter Soldier as an antagonist was just scary and brutal. And then to go into the Furler films and how Bucky becomes an integral part to Cap's story, I'm just like, oh man, there's just so much emotion here between these two that you just buy every, every step of their journey as you go through in the MCU. And it's interesting that we go back to Steve with these two characters because he is the anchor between these two because, as I said, they are so different. 
so it's interesting that they decided, you know what, let's make an entire show about two people who don't get on, really. Because <laughs> uh, I think that breeds for a really interesting show. You know, obviously, one, a vision, they're a relationship. It's going to be a completely different show. So, yeah, super excited to see where they go with this. And I think they've already planted the seeds of something really special. And I will say, when all these Disney Plus shows, Disney Plus shows were announced, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was probably one of my least anticipated. I was just like... Yeah, okay, like, it's sort of stuff we maybe have seen before in the MCU, espionage, action stuff, so I'm interested to see what they're going to do, but it doesn't seem too groundbreaking, but from the first episode, there's a lot of thematic stuff here, and a lot of uh, issues that they're raising, that they're tackling, so I think in that aspect, it is taking the MCU in a direction we maybe haven't seen before, and the fact that it's a television show allows you the time and space uh, to to breathe with these things so yeah i think it's also interesting quickly just ha- you know bringing these characters together because i think that there was an aspect again of one division that made sense you know they're a couple in the comics and they you know had that relationship in the films whereas falcon and winter soldier although they're both linked to cap there was an element of if you had a show which was just darcy and the hulk or you know whatever you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's that kind of like old gimmicky kind of like uh, Superman meets the Martians, you know, this kind of like, you know, Flintstones meet the Jetsons, just like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if these two characters got together? It, it was that kind of, you're like, okay, well, you know, are they that linked? Because in their films, they only really shared a bit of a relationship in Civil War. There wasn't really much else apart from that. You know, they had that sort of look at Steve in the car when he was uh, making out with uh, his relative of some form possibly (laughs) Um, and when they're fighting spider-man and uh, you know they get like webbed and he's like i hate you you know they had that so i was like i don't know if there's enough of a foundation to say yeah these are a comic duo so that's why i've already appreciated that that they've set this up as they are two different people they're two different characters on their own different paths so they haven't brought them in like yeah they're both working for the military they're both this dynamic duo i like that this show seems to be bringing them together because to me, I think it would have been a hard sell to say, yeah, these guys were always a duo. And it's just like, uh, were they? You know, so that's what I appreciate as well. I was going to say that I uh, kind of agree with both of you, and especially with Jake, because out of the whole slot of shows, that was the one that I was least interested. Because uh, because with the other ones, I could see something interesting and unique. With that one, I was afraid it was going to end up being the same things we've seen in Winter Soldier and Civil War, which they were good on their own merit, but again, Marvel thing really loses it when they're starting really repeating themselves. But yeah, but there was some stuff in that was I was really surprised, which we were going to talk afterwards. And I am optimistic. I, I don't think I'm going to love it as much as some other stuff, but it really depends to what kind of road they're going to take. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. So uh, let's get into the episode then, the episode itself. Uh, Stefanos, we'll go to you again first. What's your sort of overall big picture thoughts on this premiere episode? Here's the only thing. Um, Like I imagine all of us here, I was following all the promotional material, the posters, all the casting news. So overall, the episode more or less went exactly as I expected. I didn't really expect them, the, the, the two leads, to meet up 
from the very first episode, I knew that it was going to be most likely next week or the week after. But the thing that I probably, there were two things I didn't expect. One, the direction was very impressive. And I'm not only talking about the action, which is, it is some spectacular action, which I still don't believe this is a TV show. Um, but also, I didn't expect some creative choices to in the scenes with dialogue and especially in the scenes with Bucky. The, the whole scene between him and his therapist, the very ex extensive close-up on their eyes. It was very interesting, something I did not expect from an MCU property. And it kind of very much reminded me of uh, the director's Karis uh, Skogland work in The Handmaid's Tale, because that's also another one. It's very impressive with close-ups and camera work, and that is something that she obviously brought up from there. And which it was very impressive. And the other one is the actual grounded level issues, especially with Sam trying to get a loan and the fact that the blip has actually affected even that part of the world. And also the fact that Avengers don't get paid. <laughs> and they should have, but they don't. Yeah, answer the question everyone was wondering. How do superheroes get paid? <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts, Dave? Uh, yeah, I well, I had a similar thought. I was like, do they get paid? <laughs> How does this work? Generally... Uh, Unlike Stefanos, I didn't expect it to to start off with them both in separate areas. And I kind of alluded that to that, I suppose, in that idea of going into the show like, oh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I kind of expected it to pick up more from where we left off in terms of they had seen, you know, old Cap and the shield had been passed and everything. And I thought there might be an element of then they've both stuck together because... Sam is still struggling with the idea of taking on this mantle, etc. And the Bucky would have stuck around to sort of help him through that. So I was really impressed that they did go with the idea of like, this is where these two characters are. And it, it completely separated them and it didn't link them at all. It was like, here's their problem. Here's this character's problem. This is what they're both dealing with. And there's no shared element at all which i think is good because you need to sort of set up about why these two characters have their own journeys their own troubles in the past and their own problems that they're going to be dealing with throughout this because when you sort of give them a shared problem it kind of takes away from the individuality of the characters so i really appreciated that and yeah like stefanos i i, I was really impressed by just how pristine and professional this was I think in comparison to WandaVision, it's hard not to draw those comparisons. Um, I said on Twitter, I think a lot of like traditional sort of MCU fans will be a lot happier with this. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, WandaVision set itself that restriction because it was being a sitcom. It was being a TV show. So it could never be a film because that's not what they were doing. So and I think that the running time as well is interesting. You know, we've been talking for weeks, you know, when we were talking about uh, the Mandalorian over on the Mandalorians about this question as to whether a longer running time or shorter running time works for the best or not. And I think generally they have proved that it does work if they want to keep it to a 30 minutes. But I did just so much more appreciate having this extra time, like Stefano said, to just have a scene where somebody sat in a therapist's office just talking and just, you know, Sam just seeing 
Like what I really appreciate about this is there's something you don't get too much in the MCU, especially is we got to see Sam's sister and his like nephews. You know, again, I, I might be wrong. I've not looked too much into this because I, I didn't want to go down the WandaVision route of this. She might have a history in the comics, but I don't care. I'm just like, yay, I'm happy to meet this new character who's not like, you know, actually a superhero or has got some sort of, you know, secret history in the comics and all that kind of stuff. I'm just interested about learning about Sam Wilson, who's played by Anthony Mackie in the MCU. And I think it was really nice that we got to see, you know, this is my family, this is my world, which we haven't seen before, because as we've said, they were supporting characters. So I really appreciated that level of detail. The action, as Stefano said, was amazing. It was crazy that, you know, this is a TV show. And yeah, it just had a really filmic quality to it. And it was really professionally handled, really, you know, well directed. And yeah, just just give me a lot more than I was anticipating. I think the depth is what I was most impressed mm-hmm. with this episode is just the the emotional depth. And, you know, we'll definitely go into that later. And also just the, the overall, you know, professional aspect of everyone. I think all the actors as well seemed of that film level. It wasn't anybody who seemed to be sort of hamming it up or was a TV actor or anything like that. So I think that that also worked to their advantage as well. Yeah, definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head. I was actually surprised with how much depth was in this first episode. Overall, I love this first episode and I was thinking more like Dave. I was expecting this show to open much like it did with a big action set piece. But I, I, I was sort of expecting Bucky and Falcon to be together. They were on a mission um, and even I was even kind of thinking, oh, is Falcon going to be using the shield? And then, you know, the government say we need to take that away from you and all that. But it opened in a much more melodramatic way. And, you know, Falcon, uh, Sam dealing with these issues, still feeling the weight of Steve's passing, you could say, and having the mantle with him. And then it's also really looking at the human side of these characters, very much like Wanda and Vision did, even though they're a witch and he's a robot. <laughs> Uh, but these are actually humans. And like you said, exploring Sam's family is really interesting to see they're going through real human issues. And it doesn't matter how many superpowers or how many gadgets you've got, you still go through the same thing that the day-to-day people go through. So yeah, the acting is superb, I think. The direction is really well done. What Stefanos mentioned with that sort of close-up lens on their eyes, that was really jarring for me at first. I was like, whoa, that's but then as I was getting into it, I was like, actually, you know, that's really interesting. The MCU have you know, never done something like that before. So it was, it was an interesting take. And yeah, production quality is stellar. It really does feel like a film. And, you know, that opening scene where Falcon's going for the canyon, taking out all the helicopters and stuff. I was like, man, I wish I could see this on like an IMAX screen. That would be phenomenal. Um, and, you know, after nearly a decade of having Steve in front and center, we're finally getting to see Bucky and Sam get way more focus. And I think in the span of, I think it's the total running time of actual footage is 42 minutes. I think in those 42 minutes, we've had more development from these characters than they received in the last however many movies they've been on. And that's thanks to really layered writing. And honestly, I think, well, I'll wait till the season's finished, but I think this is... Anthony Mackie's and uh, Sebastian Stan's best performances so far as these characters. And it is quite insane when you think that uh, well, we've had Bucky for a decade now. And this is the most we've got from him. And 
again, it's one of the things I said before that I have some issues with the MCU, and it was definitely one of those. Is the fact that we having these characters for so many years, and only just now we really get to know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I was rewatching a lot of the films in build up for these series, going back to Captain America, it always was a kind of oh, that's Bucky Barnes. You know, it was always that kind of character in that film of oh, look out for him, he's going to be the Winter Soldier. But there was nothing about Bucky in that film that actually made him Bucky Barnes. He was just there purely to sort actors that build up to him being the winter soldier later on um which i think is kind of fair enough you know the interesting aspect of the character is you know well, the winter soldier i don't um, know dave but... i would i would say he's like the emotional crux for steve in that film though oh yeah yeah i'm not saying like um i'm not completely <laughs> ragging on his role <laughs> in that film but um you know so he does play like a good part in it that scene where um steve's parents have just died and he was there for him at that moment like oh no was sorry was that actually in winter soldier i think it was um forget that <laughs> so the winter soldier did a good job in that sense no but it was nice when they would go into the stark uh, you know when they saw the stark at the expo and everything like that you got to see that the, the the contrast of uh, their characters and that kind of stuff um but yeah you know he, he did he did work uh well within that film it's just like I said is that we've never had this level of depth and and layers that we've had before i was so happy when Rhodey appeared mm. and i loved Don Cheadle and i did not expect him to be in here or at least not in the first episode and i want more mm. definitely yeah True. that was a that was a really nice surprise as well i did not expect to see him in this they've already hijacked the plane Ah, uh, we're gonna need to call some people. Come on, you! Do you have a You went over alone to the Paris. Louis, it's me who killed you. So yeah, let's get into the breakdown of this episode. Then clocking in at forty-two-ish minutes. So we open unsure, I would say somewhere between four to six months after the events of Endgame and the world seems to be in chaos. Sam Wilson is uh, among those who has vanished, but he's back. He's looking very sad and he's getting dressed while packing up Captain America's shield with Steve Rogers' words still ringing in his ears about the shield, you know, about the shield and stuff like that. So uh, I will say that this opening scene with just him getting dressed, as I said, it's one of Anthony Mackie's best performances as his character in this episode from this scene alone, because you just see and feel everything that's going through his mind in that moment without saying a single word. Uh, Dave, what did you think of this opening little sequence here? Yeah, I thought it was a good introduction to that aspect of knowing that he's carrying this mantle is that a big worry of this series which i you know was pretty sure that it wasn't going to do but there was still the chance that it could happen is that you didn't want to take away from the weight of that that last scene in endgame you know with steve and sam uh, you want that aspect to be there of him saying and he says later in the episode you know what i said to steve was you know it doesn't you know it feels like someone else's so I think that it's good that we've like immediately brought that in as the first element because it makes you think like, oh, right, yeah, that's what happened in Endgame. That's what this is about. So I think it's an effective way to bring it in. It's a good way to sort of remind ourselves of Steve and, you know, Captain America, etc. And I'm also just glad that uh, the episode as a whole, but they could have easily done it at the beginning here, that we never like flashed back to that scene or like showed yeah. Chris Evans apart from, you know, in 
paintings and stuff, which I think was also effective, is the fact that they were showing the, you know, the legacy of this character. He's everywhere you go, uh, which, you know, other TV shows and films have done in, in the past is where you see them everywhere, kind of like Spider-Man in Far From Home, where you've seen Iron Man everywhere. So it's it's that aspect, which I think was nice. And it's that restraint of like, oh, and it's not just flashback to the scene and let that do the talking. This will actually show the performance and stuff, which was really nice. What do you think, Stavanos? I very much the same page with, with both of you. But <laughs> the only thing, though, though, I want to add is I think unintentionally, they kind of did two things. One, I couldn't stop thinking about Iron Man when he was ironing, which I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't intended, but I couldn't stop laughing because it's it was right there and I'm a child. And Have you learned nothing circle, from WandaVision, Stefanos? Stop with the theories. <laughs> <it's> not, <laughs> well, I never learned. And the second one is that unintentionally, they, I think they did a good transition from one division to back to the MCU because what was one division in the end? It was those two characters trying to have a domestic life. How do we begin this episode with Sam doing something domestic, something that is very much something that we all should be doing. I hope we're all doing it, and which kind of defines home, something very human and everyday activity but it's actually for something that has to do with someone we've been loving for all these films. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was in those two cases, and I hope not for the Iron Man part, but, <laughs> but if, if the latter one is true, um, then well done. Uh, it's uh, because I do think WandaVision unintentionally became a very good way to start Phase 4 because it's a combination of both mediums. And this kind of transitions the full completion of TV being equal to the films. And it it also shows Sam as, like you said, about that grounded character, is there's something like homely that we we all do. I think he's always been that kind of character, isn't it? Like in Winter Soldier when Cap and uh, Black Widow sort of like hide out at his house and everything. There's always been that sort of like homely nature to him in terms of giving like Cap the, the list of things, you know, adding to the list and you know, he's always been a down-to-earth sort of character and he's sort of always been there like, oh, yeah, you know, there's a guy flying around as an, as an ant and a spider now. He's always sort of looked at it from the sort of average Joe level. So I think that that sort of linked in with that mm. as well. I also think it's really interesting that you mentioned like the domestic side of things because, yeah, that opening scene is domestic in itself in the feeling. But this whole, well, this episode anyway, and I'm pretty sure the whole series is going to be that, feels very globetrotting. I mean, we're in Tunisia, we're in Switzerland, we're in Washington, do you know what I mean? It feels very spy, espionage, globetrotting type of film. And I think you can clearly see they wanted to make this a film, this big, epic, type six-part film, basically. Yeah, I did feel like it was kind of like a Falcon film for like, you know, for quite a while, Mm. which was great as well. And I'm glad that again, it's, you know, at the beginning, I was kind of worried that he was getting ready to go to like some sort of like cap funeral or something like that. And I was just like, are we going to go there in terms of just being like, oh, let's repeat, you know, the end Mm. of end game, you know, that kind of thing. So again, it's glad I didn't go there. Also impressed that the, the title card is so subtle on this, you know, it's not kind of you know, we, we obviously, we probably will talk about it, but, you know, the end credits now famously with MCUs all kind of like, whoa, you know, big flashy stuff. But I kind of appreciate that these shows are setting up that the, 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 the star title is usually quite, 
quite subtle. I don't know if they did it here, actually. Again, one of those stupid Disney Plus things. But it makes me laugh when, like, the title cards come up, like, on The Mandalorian, and it says, skip intro. Like, what? Skip, like, six seconds of, <laughs> yeah, like, I words know. on the screen. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty stupid. Disney Plus has got some <laughs> weird things about it, man, as a service. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, another time. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, but we didn't get Cap's funeral because that would be a very somber place to start this episode. Instead, we open with what we've sort of seen snippets in this trailers, this big action explosion sequence of uh, Falcon in the Canyon. So he's aboard uh, a US Air Force plane in full Falcon gear. He's been briefed on the LAF. So they're some sort of terrorist criminal organization and they've kidnapped a liaison and they're trying to get from Tunisia to the safety of the Libyan border where the US military won't be able to intervene. There's a lot of exposition in this opening sort of thing right here. Um, I'm hoping every episode or every episode, either either it's the beginning of the episode or the end of the episode, we do have an explosive action scene like this Uh, because it's really well done. It wastes no time getting Marvel fans who sort of maybe missed the blockbuster action of Wonder of Wonder Wonder Vision is really well directed, and Anthony Mackie, he looks really comfortable as the role of the lead role. Do you know what I mean? He's this kicking ass, um, setting aside any concerns I had that he maybe wouldn't be able to carry the show because he was a supporting character to Steve. So from this first sequence, I'm like, I'm totally on board, totally on board with Anthony Mackie carrying this show, and it was also really nice to see the return of. Batroc, the Leaper from the Winter Soldier. Uh, <laughs> Stefanos, what did you think of this explosive opening sequence? Okay, I did not expect the Leaper. Uh, again, like similarly as I did with Rhodey when he appeared and started cheering, this one was like, no, they didn't. They brought this one bloke from with the, with the, with the Soldier, which, good way, I mean, is the one thing that the show, the franchise is really good at is continuity. So I do like that, and it kind of like, it's very similar to the opening of the Winter Soldier when the Cap went to the goes to the boat to do the rescue mission and fights the leap. I think it's, I'm pretty sure that is what they're trying to do. It's very similar to how uh, Cap at that point he was Captain America. They're showing, they're proving the point that Sam is worthy of the title. And yeah, the the action was great. I loved all the POV shots. Because uh, point of view shots are very difficult to work, to be practiced and actually work, uh, basically be executed overall. So I was very impressed by that. And and okay, even though the physics of it doesn't make any sense at all, I did not care at the moment because I was having fun. I could see some having fun. And there were a couple of times where I was gasping, thinking that he would get hurt. Of course he didn't. But that does show how well the whole thing was constructed. The fact that either for a split second, I thought that he was going to hit the helicopter and die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think like you guys, it's a great way to open the, sh- you know, the show. Um, and the fact that, like we've already mentioned, is that because Winter Soldier and Civil War start with very similar action scenes, it puts you in that frame of mind. And I think that because obviously the Russos then went on to do the Avengers films, then that sort of Russo political thriller aspect or tone is kind of affiliated with the MCU as a whole now because they've done so many of the films and they've done the Avengers films and they were the most recent. 
So I think that that's why people would watch this and go, oh yeah, you know, I feel at home, I feel cozy that this is the mm-hmm. MCU because it, you know, it has been traditional MCU in a lot of ways. You know, for me, I think, you know, typical, you know, a generic <laughs> MCU can be more kind of sometimes you sort of Ant-Man, you know, Thor 2 kind of stuff. But the, the, the higher grade stuff is then tends to be, you know, your Civil War, Winter Soldiers, which is why this is operating on that high level, which is great. And it's why it's great that they brought in that directics, obviously with an experience of shows like Handmaiden's Tale, you're going to get that sort of more gritty uh, tone to it, which I think is great. And yeah, I just had fun with this. Like Stefano says, a lot of it doesn't make sense, but I was still watching it like squirrel suits. <laughs> like, I love stupid things like hey that. Man. You know, they're just flying around canyons. Hey man, like physics is not one of the MCU's main concern, I would say. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like Spider-Man, isn't it? It's just like that thing doesn't obey the laws of gravity <laughs> at all. Uh, so uh, also I have already grown a very very strong attachment to red wing oh. and i am like you know you know when people yes, when yeah, they saw yeah. the little droid in the star wars jedi fallen order people got really attached to that little droid people got you know i'm like that in inside out when people say at the end when the the boyfriend machine makes the boyfriend he's like i would die for riley i'm like i would really? die for red wing <laughs> like he is so cute and all he is is just a little drone but it's just the way he like goes around like chirping and <laughs> just being so useful I'm- it's like nothing better happen to this freaking drone. Okay? I was literally, <laughs> I was going to mention Red Wing because I was going to say he's so cute. Yet he kicks enormous uh, yeah. amounts of ass. Like those machine guns coming out of him <laughs> takes down a helicopter. He was just, exactly. and it's also because we got, we only got to see a, a little bit of him in Civil War. So I'm really glad that we get to see mm. Red Wing do more cool stuff. And that it seems to have like um, a personality, you know, like it obeys what uh, Falcon says. He's because he doesn't have to give it orders. He's like, "Can you go sort that out?" And it just goes off and does its thing. Mm. So yeah, that was that was really nice seeing Red Wing doing a lot more. Yeah, he kind of had a, and you know, he was a part of Civil War, but he wasn't so much in the the Avengers mm-hmm. films. So, but it did always feel like there was that connection with with Sam there because as we mentioned that line I think the other day wasn't it, in our chat where it's just like uh, you know pet go him. ahead pet him, cute, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with Black Widow so there was always that bond there which I was glad to see uh, come back and I hope is fleshed out throughout throughout the show maybe this show should just be called Falcon and Red Wing <laughs> you know we'll see <laughs> uh, I, and and another thing and uh, sorry uh, just another thing I want to add is if there's one thing that's I was a bit disappointed to how the Russo's did to Falcon is his action sequences. They would be honest because they were very basic. It was just him flying around and mm. having machine guns. More or less, that's it. So I really appreciate that this episode, this opening sequence showcased how much he can actually do. And that it's not just the wings, it's also his actual capabilities of fire or fighting skills. Yeah, the fact that, like you said, the point of view shots sort of make you feel you're like you're flying, flying there, yeah. with him a lot more than just watching it kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, fantastic way of opening the episode. And I, like I said, I hope we get this every episode. You're like a really explosive start uh, before we get into the more dramatic stuff. I do got to ask you, though, because like online, there's just been a lot of, a lot of stuff about Steve, actually. Um, crazy, crazy conspiracy theories. Some people, some people, they think that he's in the secret base on the moon looking down over us. Well, I can assure you those people, you don't have to take seriously. But you didn't like fly him to the moon? No. 
so yeah, we'll go back to the ground now after the explosive start. We're we're having a cup of tea in a Tunisian market. Uh, this is where we've we've already been introduced to Lieutenant Joaquin Torres, who was helping Sam on the ground. Uh, and this is the scene where he's basically telling him about this new group of terrorists known as the Flag Smashers. <laughs> um, I had to actually Google. I was like, surely, is that a real thing? Like, is that a Marvel thing? <laughs> uh, and and it is yeah and it fortunately is. it is yes, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. It, um the <laughs> thing I, it's uh, it's been associated with two supervillains most notably carl mogenthor i think that's how you pronounce the name who first appeared in uh, the captain america comics in 85 i think it's as a as a symbol of anti-patriotism so that's a cool little thing for comic book fans but even still i was like flag smashers that's a bit on the nose uh, and then he sort of um, explains that this terrorist group, they, they want, they liked it when it was during the five-year blip. They want to see an end to international borders. But I find it really funny, though, that Torres is not interested in any of that. He only has one question for Sam, and is that is, is Steve Rogers on the moon? <laughs> this sh- these shows continue to just, like, put MCU fans into the shows. It's the same as, like, in WandaVision when they were just saying, like, oh, well, Thanos would have clearly been beaten by uh, the Scarlet Witch if it wasn't for Captain Marvel, da 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 And I'm just like, you're just putting fans into, like, into the script. It's, I don't know. I, I, I'm a bit still torn on my opinions towards it. It's fun, but it's, like, also a bit, like, on the nose, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is, and it makes uh, me laugh. before I get your, I, I, it makes sense for this because you, w- the general population would be like, "Where the hell is he gone?" Because he was just there and suddenly gone. You know? Yeah, everyone was going to have all sorts of crazy theories. I just love that. Is he got a secret base on the moon? <laughs> and then yeah. I love that later in the scene, Anthony Mackie follows it up. He's like, "What are you going to do? Moon stuff." <laughs> so that was cool. Yeah, um, that, that was let's good, uh, yeah. let's talk about Joaquin Torres again because this is another obviously a comic reference to people who know their Marvel comics. Uh, the actor who plays him is. Danny Ramirez, and he shares a name with a character in the comics who becomes the second Falcon after um, Sam Wilson. So in the comics, he is a teenager who is kidnapped by the Sons of the Serpent and saved by Falcon, who then becomes Captain America, allowing Torres to become the new Falcon. So teasing up what possibly could happen in the show, I don't know. But Steph, where do you go with this scene? Uh, First for the scene... Um, I like it. If I like the fact that after a mission, they're okay to hang out with the locals. Uh, they don't seem to want... Basically, it doesn't feel like the typical American military projects where basically they will go in an area and just own the area. They very seem very good with everyone around. Even Sam speaks... It, some version of the language. I don't know if it is good or bad, but at least he tries. And that's always something nice to see from your lead. Um, although that one man who says that the, that the Avengers brought back his wife, I did see the age gap and I was like, well, even for five years, I'm like, this still is a big <laughs> gap. But anyways, besides that, it was a nice scene. <laughs> and um, But yeah, also I like the thing about the red wings technology that maybe it is stuck or not which most likely it could be and maybe it isn't a form of ai and that could explain why it seems to have its own personality um as for torres to be honest i completely forgot that he's actually exists in the comics because i actually really liked their dynamic now 
and they see his scenes uh, but very trustful ally and all his whole reaction in the action in the action sequence when he was on uh, on the ground he was basically us and so that bringing a lot of relatability to him uh but yeah but as for the flag smashes um uh, don't know yet. Um, I'm waiting to see what else they have because obviously the whole thing about, you know, a world without borders is obviously part of the propaganda, but I want to know if that's actually the truly believe in. It's interesting because unfortunately we do have that kind of groups in the real world. So they, and especially, unfortunately, again, unintentionally, the whole bleep kind of is an allegory to our current situation with the pandemic. So I am curious to see where they're going to take this and how much association we're going to have with our own real lives. And as for the pandemic stuff, there is something later on with Sam and the bank, which is actually very true to what we're dealing with with the financial situation. But that's something for we're going to talk later on. Yeah, I mean, with the follow-up scene as well with um, Sam and Rody having that conversation, I was scarily revel- relevant to today's world. Uh, Dave, do you have anything to say about Torres and this sort of little interaction with them? Yeah, like I wasn't as uh, familiar with the, the character of uh, Torres, to be honest, but um, I was just happy again to sort of see this new character and sort of, again, what I said earlier seemed to be played by a sort of like movie-level actor. So this is Danny... Uh, Ramirez, which I thought I saw uh, recognized from somewhere, but I looked at his IMDb and I haven't really seen him in anything. Uh, but, you know, I'm excited to see if he carries on. I think it's kind of like a situation like with Ant-Man's daughter. It's, you know, oh, she's stature in the comics and everything. But it's again, you know, they're not there like building it up like in Iron Man. Be like, next time, baby, you know, I think if it happens, yeah, <laughs> fun, you know, but I'm not going to be here like, yeah, the end of this show is going to be him turning into the Falcon. So he seems like a really good character. I think he's played well. Um, I do have to laugh going on his IMDP page because he's got one of those real like, you know, actors or like my range, you know, he's there like black and white. <laughs> sort of shots. One of those headshots, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a Ralph Boner kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> headshot. But um, but I'm, I'm interested with the flag smashers. <laughs> I'm not, you know, too fussed on the name saying it sounds goofy as hell. Um, I said uh, to you and Tom that it sounds like a Halo uh, online gaming team um, and I don't know it's just I think it's interesting I think the aspect of like they they support what Thanos believed I think that that's really interesting I can see that happening I can see people being like yeah he was right you know only 50% of the people should survive hey man people in real life I was gonna say there's people in real life who are like yeah, Thanos is right <laughs> yeah you know well he you know in, in some ways he did have a point that was the you know the interesting thing about that that film and uh, his his goal but so i think that that's believable i think that the whole i think the border aspect of it like the, you know a world without borders i think that that makes sense kind of but i just don't buy completely into it yet at this stage of the story because my only problem with the whole effects of the blip or the snap which i i've said before i really wanted them to go into and i really love that they're doing that because they did that with one division when we saw uh, Monica come back and we're seeing that here so I'm loving all of that but the only problem I've had so far is that we haven't really seen 
We've heard a lot about the ramifications, about people who've lived through it, but I don't really see anything visually that the world was different. Like in Endgame, we saw those boats in New York. So is it just we're meant to believe that as soon as they all got snapped back, yeah, everything's back normal now. It was like, I, mm. <laughs> so maybe I'm with, you know, the flag smashers. I can't quite buy that we would just immediately go back to the way things were. Five years is a long time. And I would imagine in the world, they would kind of be like, right, we've set up this city and our food supplies and everything for the amount of people we got. And then all these people suddenly appear again. There would be a bit of carnage for a long time in the same way there would have been carnage when they got snapped away because you've lost all these doctors and stuff like that. So I can't buy into the whole like, oh yeah, everything's just the way it was now. So I, I don't quite buy into what the Flag Smashers are fighting for. In some respects, I don't see how the world would have just gone back to the mm. exact way it was. Do you know what I mean? Because if they're supposed to be fighting for like, oh, there's no borders anymore. I'm like, well, I don't buy that the world would have gone straight back to the way it was if it was in this shape for five years. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. And I think it's, again, that's another bit of relevance because of what we're currently going through right now in the real world. You know, when this eventually, if it's over, we're not going to just suddenly go back to normal. You know, these things take time. And we have to build to get to that. So, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. It does seem a bit like, oh, what, the world's back as it was five years ago? Okay, but well, I yeah, guess we'll exactly, just go with yeah. it. Uh, if it is that way, then it does add a good credit to why they're doing what they're doing as a, as a villainous faction. Mm. So we'll see how the story go, pans yeah. out in that sense. All right, so uh, last bit of stuff with Sam before we head to the Winter Soldier. We then go to Washington where Wilson is surrendering Cap Shield for display in a museum. Uh, and then surprisingly, there he was, James Rohde, there for a quick chat with Sam. Uh, this is a really, really great scene. I think it's actually one of my favorite scenes of the whole episode. But Stefanos, what did you think of the whole Rohde and Sam interaction? things to say to be honest uh like i said before i am a fan of war machine uh not necessarily i mean mostly because of tone jittle because i am a fan of his work but uh but also because he always seemed to be the the person of reason for tony in the first uh, two films and to see that again you know, not only the reason but also kind of like moral friends for Sam, for someone who's already very positively uh, has a very positive morality but to have someone like him, someone who's to be honest, more successful than Sam, that like he has been in the army longer higher ranks but but there is something far more relative and to be honest, and it is has to do very much about race because obviously in the end, when he calls him brother, it means different things. It means uh, brother at arms. Second, because they're both Avengers. And third, because they both know the struggle. And, and most likely, there is a part of them that they would, they would, they knew that their own government most likely would have been very forth with, with Sam as the choice, unfortunately. And as we see at the end of it, that is very much the case. So, and it is, a, it is a very good conversation. It's very, it really brings back the conversations that Sam had with Steve, the Winter Soldier. And the fact is that out of all of them, possibly out of the whole country, uh, who the only one who really understands Sam is Rhodey. And, and like uh, David said before, 
about what, what what happened during those five years. I think the best one to show us, or to at least to show to Sam, is Rhodey because he's the one who's who survived during this time. And the little snippets we see in Endgame, he does say that he's actually one of the main people who was trying to keep the world together. So I do hope we see him more. And in the end of the day, I really agree with Rhodey to what he says. And I do hope to some capacity to be more involved in the whole situation. Or at least to see his point of view about the new Captain America. Yeah, I think there was also talk that this could possibly lay the seeds for Rhodey's series, Armor Wars, I think. I think there was some talk about that, but I'm not entirely too sure. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on this uh, really good scene, I think? Yeah, I really loved it. I thought that it it brought that movie-level tone as well because Rhodey has been a character since the beginning of the MCU, whether it was with that actor or not. He's pretty much been there <laughs> since the start. Next and time, I think baby. That that, yeah, I think that that adds to the the sort of gravitas of the the role is that just like if Nick Fury shows up then you instantly go like oh wow this is really leveled up like you know wow you've got Sam Jackson so I think again probably helps that Don Cheadle is such a famous like Hollywood actor as well that he's been around for years and years um, which again is no sort of disrespect to Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan it's just that he's been working longer and he's been in you know, much bigger Hollywood films for for years before they sort of got their break. So I think that that adds to it. And and like Stefanos, I liked this combination of characters. I think that it makes a lot of sense is their relatability because apart from like the whole military aspect and everything like that, I think it's interesting because their history in the films is that, you know, they actually, you know, were opposing sides of civil war. And they, you know, we saw them sort of argue about it when they had that sort of team meeting, you know, before they, when they were deliberating whether they signed the accords and Sam was against it and, you know, Rhodes was, uh, you know, in support of it. And the fact that, you know, Sam is somewhat, you know, responsible for Rhodes's disability or his, his injuries as well, which I think is interesting because, you know, that oh, came yeah. from that situation in which yeah. Sam was flying away. And, you know, even though it was, vision that you know hit him again it was still because he was chasing sam in that plane and everything so i think that that's interesting as well um and and also Rhodes understands that aspect of being the companion to the bigger hero to this sort of egotistical character he was there with iron man so he understands what sam is going through and and carrying on a mantle and you know he was the iron patriot as well so he has mm-hmm. had some sort of experience of being a, a an icon for you know, American patriotism and all that kind of stuff. So it that makes it resonate a lot more when he's saying that the world needs this right now. And it did bring in, you know, while I had those issues about we haven't visually seen that the world is suffering or struggling to, to deal with all these people suddenly reappearing, Rhodes is lying about like, you know, the world is divided and screwed up at the moment. That sort of helped to to build that picture, even though we haven't physically seen it. Him saying that has helped to, to paint that picture. And it does make sense is that, again, it adds to what I was saying. If the world was like that for five years, well, once it all comes back, there is going to be a lot of problems. And it, and it 
makes sense again because again these comic book films and stuff can be like we need this now more than ever and you know you're always like it's always more than ever why is it like that but in this situation you are like no yeah that makes perfect sense because after everything that's happened you would need captain america and if he just suddenly disappeared hey you you know you're gonna want that symbol there so i think that that resonated even more and and apart from Rhodes. I was really struck by Anthony Mackie's performance at the end of this scene. You know, when he's looking at like Cap and the, the sort of visuals of the museum and there's like those tears in Anthony Mackie's eyes. I was like, wow, I was like, I didn't expect to like choke up almost like at this because you could see the emotion in Anthony Mackie's face. Which again, the focus on the eyes. So that, that was fantastic. Yeah, to Anthony Mackie's performance as well. I'd like to say that when he's giving that speech like in that press conference, I was... Every single word he's saying is totally believable. Do you know what I mean? Like it feels like this yeah. this is how he would speak, this is how he would be dressing the public, this is how he would be talking about his best friend. And it's also that moment when he looks mm. up, sees the picture of Cap, and he's holding the shield in his hand and he looks back down. I don't know. They they say an image is worth a thousand words. That image right there, I think it speaks volumes of what he's going for. World's a crazy place right now. People are well, nobody's stable. Allies are now enemies. Alliances are all torn apart. The world's broken. Everybody's just looking for somebody to fix it. Uh, so right, let's head over to our other hero of this series, and that is Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier. Except when we first meet him, he's not being a hero. We see him in this sort of hotel of some kind, not so sure, of slaughtering henchmen and then unfortunately one innocent bystander who was in the wrong place at the wrong time seeing what he was doing. I love this because I was like, whoa, this is proper bringing me back to the Winter Soldier movie. You know, it's even got the Henry Jackson, the music going, and I was like, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Bucky <laughs> with the mask and the long hair. I, I was I don't know what it is, but I just love goth kids. You know what I mean. So I I, I mm. love this look of Bucky <laughs> and him kicking ass, especially when he threw that knife. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, but then the flat it's soon revealed that it's actually a nightmare Bucky's having. Who then, the next day he's in a therapy session, and sh- she's <laughs> she's hilariously exhausted with Bucky and calls him a liar <laughs> when she asks him, "Do you have nightmares?" No. Uh, and so this is really interesting because she's. A therapist who is for a for a killing machine, you know, for decades. So this can't be easy. But this is a we learn that this is a condition of his pardon. You know, he's been pardoned of all his actions, uh, and because he saved the world and all that sort of stuff, uh, he has to go through all the efforts to make amends. And I really like him explaining uh, the rules um, as he's going through. Like, so he's trying to cross people off this list to make amends for all his sins but he's really trying not to hurt or kill anyone. And I just love the banter that these two are having. He's like, she's like, what's rule number two? That's a big one. He's like, well, why isn't it rule number one if it's a really important? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I thought all that was really fantastic. Uh, Stefanos, what did you think of the, the therapy session? I already know you, uh, you really liked the direction of it with like the close-up lenses and stuff, but what do you think of the actual interaction between them? Uh, it's really good. It's actually... It, it kind of is, and also it isn't what I expected from a Marvel property, because they said this because uh, they say shit and bullshit quite a lot, uh, which it is something I believe in, because that that I do think that's 
especially because she's not just a therapist, she's also a soldier. So I would expect that kind of relationship between two veterans, yeah. uh, especially when, they, when they're talking about you know, their own identity, their own feelings, and uh, their own prospects of the future. And uh, it is great. Uh, immediately when I realized that the whole killing scene was a flashback and it was actually a nightmare of Bucky, I immediately felt for him. Uh, I immediately felt so sorry and empathized with him. And I understand why he shuts, uh, he's shutting off to everyone because it is something way too extreme that no one else in the MCU has done. Like, he, like even with Gamora, while she was, you know, working for Thanos, even she, like, uh, gradually understood that it was wrong and she was far doing it out of necessity and survival. Bucky did it because he had no control. He was just a weapon. And the fact that, he, and like, back in Civil War, when he's fighting Tony and he says that he remembers everyone, that is... An example. This is a huge example so that he remembers one of his scenes, although it's not his own. You he wouldn't be a good character if he didn't feel some level of guilt. And the two thing and also the notebook with all the names he has, besides the one of them is Zemo, so it's very interesting if he's gonna follow the three rules that he has uh, to make amends. I also it really reminded me of the notebook that Cap had mm -hmm. in, yeah. in with the soldier. It's all the stuff that he missed it just to keep up with pop culture. Him, he has no time for pop culture. He has no time to watch films because he has way too many demons to even enjoy anything, even watching the first Star Wars for the first time. Yeah. yeah. All of us is a... Uh pop culture news are just there like sympathize even more like oh no he can't watch a film like <laughs> i feel so bad for him <laughs> uh yeah dave what do you think of this because you know i was thinking as well because he says i went from one fight to another for 90 years that would mm. really fuck a guy up <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and just the way he said that you know he had that little bit of peace in wakanda it made me feel really bad for him because again it's good that the mcu is not trying to fluff up, you know, aspects that they've done. They're like, oh, he's okay now because he had some time in Wakanda. You don't want to just... The films did that a bit. They would sort of, like, bridge the gap. But because they were movies, they had to do that. But when you have these series, you can flesh things out a bit more. So it's it's good that they're not saying, yeah, he's fine now. Like, he had that time in Wakanda, so he's completely healed. And I think it was important to show the Winter Soldier as he previously was. Because, again, you don't want to just see immediately Falcon and Winter Soldier... He's a different character now. He's, you know, like the good guy, Bucky, and all this kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, even fans have a lot of issues with that character. And there's a lot in modern society online and stuff about being held accountable for your past actions, about people being sorry and like people who will, you know, again, I don't want to mention like cancel culture and that kind of stuff. But there are elements of people who will be like, I will not ever trust that person again you know it's kind of like johnny depp and amber heard all that kind of stuff it's like you know people who like no i i will not forgive what they've done and there's an aspect of that with the fans that there's a lot of people who were team iron man and were like no that is you know that is a horrible thing to do so i think it is interesting that then the show is almost broaching that as in like yeah he was pardoned 
but you know these are the conditions of that and it is a bit crazy that you would be pardoned of all the horrific things he <laughs> 90, did from like just one or two like 90 years <laughs> of murder <laughs> yeah exactly um but it's like cap said you know he he wasn't in control and i think that's why interest was interesting about stefanos's comparison to someone like gamora which was different because she was like a part of an army so it was almost like a war even though it, you know she was on the wrong side you know she was just fighting as a soldier the same way as you know any soldiers would be in you know on when they're on the wrong side and again she was doing it out of survival and you know was similar to bucky in that she was almost like forced to do it but it wasn't that aspect of he was killing like innocents because you know he was manipulated by the government to be like this person's a threat so you need to like you know deliberately kill them and make it look like it was an accident like that is like a malicious like mm-hmm. horrendous sort of thing so like strangling people again i i never got the impression that gamora was like an assassin killed out you know sent out to kill you know innocents who were trying to do good mm-hmm. that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so i think that that's that's what's interesting it, with his character yeah because even then even then gamora still was secretly mm-hmm. going against thanos like uh, destroying the map for these for the soul stone though there was still a level of defiance from her to protect the overall good but yeah but for bucky though it, the fact that he was i uh, he was designed to make those he, those hideous crimes but the but the fact that he knew what he was doing that means that some part of bucky's at least intelligence mm-hmm. was into it. So yeah, so that does make it more complicated. I also think it was interesting that they showed, again, like this is where I was impressed by the depth of the episode is like you said, Jake, I loved that aspect of like, you know, he had that little bit of calm in Wakanda, but he's like, I've gone from fight to fight and now he's just out of it. And it is, you know, you can understand that loads of people will face that through life is that, you know, they constantly are going through drama and horrible events. And then once it all ends, they're like, what do I do myself? Because they've been auto-programmed mm-hmm. to live a certain way for so long and some people just can't cope after that. So I think that was interesting. But also, maybe as like a subtle reference, uh, I don't know or whether it was intended, but this is the way I read it, was I thought it was interesting that when we saw him wake up, he was on the floor, like he has like a, a little bed like made up on the floor, which looks like in a reasonable apartment. And it kind of made me think of, was it sam who said it in was a cap or someone like that they oh said, yeah you're talking yeah, about sam um, to cap. yeah when they um he says your bed feels yeah, too soft yeah. you, you know feels like you need mm-hmm. to um feels like you're sinking because you're that used to be in like in the military like sleeping on the ground so when i saw him wake up on the floor i was like oh bucky can't afford a bed and then i was like oh there's, wow there's, okay if this yeah, is saying that and that's a reference to a a, a sam and steve scene that's really awesome connectivity i love that that that's really i cool. also think and it make again perfect sense for him as a i character. also think as we've said you know bucky's a walking ptsd case study but who would be almost the best person for him to pair up with to deal with these situations it would be sam look at his history of helping other soldiers come out of that you know through ptsd so there's history yeah. there uh, and it's funny you mentioned that about the beds thing because i also thought of that but obviously it's not it's not connected, but I also thought of the Punisher TV show where one of the characters digs a hole in this garden and he ha- and he yeah he's in there because he still thinks he's in a warfare. So I was I was getting that sort of vibe from it, and um, you know, it, Bucky as well. I think it adds more to his PTSD in the 
human side of things because he doesn't have a, doesn't have any friends. We find out that he's got this one friend, a elderly neighbor, Mr. Nakajima. He's sort of mourning for the loss of his son. And conveniently, his son is the one that Bucky killed in that flashback. So it seems that Bucky is trying to make amends for his sin in that sort of way. But you can really feel that he's struggling, especially when he visits the house and he sees the shrine there. He's like, oh, my God, I can't do this anymore. Uh, And I sort of really related to Bucky as well when he went out on the date with the girl from the restaurant. He's just so awkward and he doesn't know how to speak to people, especially like, you know, he hasn't dated in... 70 years or whatever it's been uh, and just that his little facial expressions when he's like oh shit I shouldn't have said that I look like a fool and stuff like that I thought all of that was hilarious and I was like yo man I feel you <laughs> um, Stefanos what did you make of the continuation of Bucky's story with uh, Mr. Nakajima and the date he went on? Again as before I even empathized even more with him of all, of all the trauma that he caused mostly, but also what he also has experienced through his own fault, or through his actions, to be honest. And and even though it is something admirable to try to make amends, especially to someone that you wronged, is very difficult. And the fact that he's willing to spend time with him, to kind of become a friend, is it really shows to who he is, the, the actual Bucky, not the Winter Soldier, not post, not the post-traumatic Bucky, but Bucky himself. Because that was the Bucky we saw in the first Captain America film. He is very sociable. He always wants to be there for the ones who don't really fit in society because he sees the bear, the bear in them. And the, and the whole interaction between him and and Yuri in the restaurant really remind me of him and Steve before they joined the, the army of just go, going out socializing and yeah but when the realization happens that uh, of realizing that oh yeah it's the father of the guy that he murdered all those years ago it brought a new level of stake to the show like and I think that's something I really like about the show so far. That it's not about the larger scheme of things. It's not about world world threats. It's far more about these personal barriers that need to be breaking, that need to be broken. And uh, and I love that. And also something that like we said before about Sam that has a sister and nephews. Here we also find out that both his parents are dead obviously, but also the the fact that he has a sister. So that would probably mean that she's in her late 90s, which most likely will have an emotional depth, mm-hmm. like depth or uh, progression for him later on. And, and I like the parallels between uh, him and his parents and Yuri with his son, because his, uh, Leah, his date says that she can't imagine how it is a father to lose a child and not know what happened. Same thing happened with Bucky's parents. They pro- probably the only know that Bucky died uh, seven, seven for the army. They don't know that he still that he was still alive and all that. So there is this parallel between him and Yuri's son, and obviously what Leah says that that he sh- he deserves to know what happens 
he probably kind of projecting his own parents that they also deserve to know what happened to him. And that in the end, he was not okay, but at least he came back to normal. So, now that you've stopped fighting, what do you want? Peace. That is utter bullshit. You're a terrible shrink. I was an excellent soldier, so I saw a lot of dead bodies, and I know how that can shut you down. And if you are alone, that is the quietest, most personal hell. And James, it is very hard to escape. I was really fascinated by the whole relationship with the father because when we saw that flashback and they focused on that character when, you know, he's like, I didn't see anything. I was, you know, at first when they showed him and they saw focused on him, I was like, oh, is he going to be like a scientist or something? And that, you know, that, you know, similar to Bucky in Civil War, he's killed somebody to get something that, that later is used for the enemy or something like that. But no, it was, you know, showing that actually this is just one of the victims who, like the father said, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, which, you know, again, is just a tragic reality that probably does happen to a lot of parents or to a lot of victims that the police would just be like, yeah, unfortunately, it's just wrong place, wrong time. But when I realized what was happening, I really, I think I did audibly sort of say like, oh, Bucky, I was just like, I felt really bad for him that he was doing this because I've seen it again in other TV shows and films and I've always been a bit torn on it is when a killer or somebody involved in a crime goes and finds the parents and I'm always like, I don't know if that's morally right to to force that victim into that situation. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because even though you're doing it for your own reasons to try and get closure, you're then forcing that person to then confront their demons and potentially commit a crime if they're that torn up about what originally happened so it's quite a a morally muddy thing to do but it does completely make sense with the character of bucky because winter soldier is a very mm -hmm. muddy you know unmoral sort of character but it, it i i later sort of got on board with it because it was the aspect of okay well he's trying to do all these things on his list and he knows that this person is lost without his son. So he's just trying to make up for the fact that he killed him by making sure that his dad mm -hmm. is okay, which I thought was a nice aspect. The fact that he's just like being a friend to this guy. I think if he was just following him and questioning him or something, it'd be a bit different. But the fact that he's looking out for him, I think that that's what makes it quite a, a good situation. Yeah, again, it'll be interesting to see where that goes and, and how it pans out. But, you know, I just couldn't help but feel bad for Bucky. Once I realized what he was doing, I was like, oh, no, Bucky, you know, like, what are you doing to yourself? He's, it's almost like he's torturing himself. Mm, it is heartbreaking. I mean, but for a lot of soldiers, that's all they know coming out of war, you know, is to only pretty much torture themselves. Right. So we then cut to Louisiana. All this talk of family. We haven't even got to Sam's family. Uh, this is where we meet uh, Sam's sister, who is called Sarah. And this is played by, I hope I don't butcher her name, Adepero Odoyu. Uh, who wants to sell their family boat? You know, it's been in their family business for years. Uh, Sam sees how hard they've become in the last five years since he was away. But despite his star status, he can't get a, a loan from the bank. And you got that really funny interaction of like, you know, the guy recognizing him and he does the little, you know, does the little wave thing. And he's like, ah, you're a falcon. <laughs> yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, was, that was really funny. Uh, and like we say, you know, if you've ever wondered how much a superhero earns, now you have your answer. <laughs> like the, it's actually more goodwill and people just give you stuff, apparently. <laughs> uh, I w loved all of this. I think this is 
sort of what I expected going into this show, that they were maybe going to be dealing with a lot of important issues in real-life situations. Now, it's it's clear that WandaVision was about grief and uh, female empowerment, I will say. Uh, this show is going to be put into the examination of race and what it is to be a patriotic American, I think. Uh, we're told throughout the MCU that Captain America is a symbol, he's a hero for the times, but what if those times are one of division, chaos, and you know, clashing ideologies? What happens then? So I think it's, it's important to bring these issues up because it just goes to show that no matter who you are, even if you have a million bucks or you're a superhero, that the race problems in America are very, very much real. Uh, Stefanos, what did you make of Sam's family and then the, the bank scene and all of that? Let me be sidetracked and uh, just to mention there's um, there's one film last year that was released on Amazon Prime called mm. One in Miami. And in that film, basically, it was about four black legends back in the 60s of America. And even though all four of them were beloved by most people or had some level of influence and even a couple some of them were very rich they still had difficulty to fit into the overall society and there's one specific scene with one of them talking to a member of his community and the fact that that member was saying how much he admires him that he's a proud to the community and everything but when it comes for him to come into the house, they're saying, no, we don't allow uh, black people in the house. You know this rule. And that kind of really reminded me that, of course, in a more watered-down way and far more to the current times. But it's true. Like, it does, that does happen, especially to war heroes or veterans or even sometimes actual celebrities, which they don't get the chance or equal chance to other to other people of the of the peers of them, mainly because of the race and and you can see it actually how Falcon speaks to 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 the bag manager. He speaks to them as a celebrity, trying to use that fame. But in this situation is not only just fame. I mean, he literally is one of the few people who saved the world a couple of times now, and he still doesn't get it. Um, of course, the bank management does not say why, and because he, as but most likely, this both to do with the matter of race and class discrimination, and it was, and and I like how they handled it because they did not say it. They mm-hmm. didn't say it was that. No, you you kind of need to figure out yourself. So some of the cues, some of the reactions from. All three, all three people in the in the situation, and you can tell, you can tell there's something more that is presented, and also the absolute vanity of that guy just asking for a selfie right after he denied the loan. Yeah, and and then Falcon's uh, reaction, like, really. And another thing that, like I said before, about unintentionally at current times have really made this very true when it came to the point of you don't have you have no income in the last five years how the hell can you have an income if you don't exist it's not very far off to how we're dealing right now because also so many people don't work at the time of, of the pandemic because they can't work and of course 
And I can imagine this will be a problem later on in later on in the next couple of years. So yeah, and once again, unintentionally, the blip is an allegory to the pandemic. <laughs> it's so weird how everything has synced up, even though that these shows were made and developed way in advance of the ongoing pandemic. Uh, Dave, what do you think of the family and the bank stuff? Yeah, well, to go back as well to the real world correlations, you know, there's the pandemic. But even when they were, again, when this show was made or, you know, obviously I think they went back and sort of filmed the end of it after sort of the lockdowns and everything. Again, this would have been written and locked in is the fact that we would have had, you know, we've had Black Lives Matter, which then has made a lot of the content that has come out since, you know, like the film that Stefanos mentioned or Trial of the Chicago 7, all these things that you see afterwards, you're like, oh my God, it's like they knew that this was going to happen. So if they continue down that line of bringing up like race and, you know, how it divides uh, America, the world and how it sort of affects people's prospects and that kind of stuff, I think it will be really great if they go down that line. I think it'll be really important and it'll be really refreshing for the MCU to do something which is so serious and and on another level of sort of like drama and commentary. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be really great, which has now become even more relevant because of Black Lives Matter. But even before that, you know, it was still an important sort of story to tell. So be interested in going forward if, you know, they do continue down that line, especially because of US Agent the fact that he is, you know, a white guy. And I think (laughs) at the end of the episode, you know, not to jump forward too much, but you can see with his sister's reaction when the news conference comes on television, she looks so concerned. She looks so distraught by what's happening, almost as if like somebody would have reacted to things like Black Lives Matter, like protests, like people being beaten up in the street. It's that kind of gut reaction you have as somebody from that, community or from that background that once you see it you're like if you feel the effects on the entire community and that's what happened with black lives matter all the people around the world were like we're not going to stand up to this one thing that happened to this one person in this one place in in the world and i think that that came through a bit at the end of the episodes that you saw his sister saw go oh no what does this mean like i'm really scared about what this means because she knows the involvement her brother you know her brother has with it so like you guys i really enjoyed the sort of the funny moments in which, you know, he he did the Falcon sort of, you know, with the wings and, you know, where do I know you from and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, but, you know, it, it did then lead to, you know, a, a negative aspect of the storyline. And it was also good to show that difference between him and his sisters that, you know, she again has said, you know, I've lived throughout this. I've, you know, had to bring up these kids on my own. She's more the realistic type of person. Whereas Sam, again, not because of the blip, he's always been like that from the films anyway, is the more opt- optimistic person and wants to sort of carry on. And and I like the aspect as well that he isn't just like, yeah, I'm an Avenger now and I, I'm going off and making billions of pounds, is I think that's what was important about pointing out that they do it out of goodwill, is that Sam never did this for any financial gain. He did it because it was the right thing. And at the end of the day, he's still happy enough to do like operate a small family business because, you know, he has an attachment to his family and to that boat. Um, and it's not about any sort of bigger egos or anything like that, which, again, will maybe be a nice correlation to him and Bucky, that maybe Bucky will want to find that kind of same link and that same sense of home at, at the end of the series. I think that would be really nice. Hmm. Yeah, because 
I think this series is going to be a, a, a story about growth for Sam because I mentioned this to you off air, Dave, that I think the boat in a way is like a metaphor for what he's currently going through with the weight of the Cap- Captain America mantle. He can't let go of the past. He can't see beyond that Steve is the Captain America and that shield should be him. So that's why he's like, I can't do it. You know, I'll pass it to the museum. It's the same with the boat. He's clinging on to the past while his sister, it seems she's the more reasonable one, is like, look, I'm earning only, uh, like I'm, um, what she says, she's like, I'm earning five every day and spending 10. Do you know what I mean? I need to sell the boat to keep this family business alive. So I think he needs to imp- learn something important here about growth, about letting go of things and overcoming that. So, and I think it's parallel with his journey on being the mantle of Captain America as well. So I think it's really interesting and I hope that gets further developed. Uh, so the globe-trotting ep- epic adventure continues as we then head to Switzerland, where we meet up again with Torres, who, as we discussed earlier in the episode, he's trying to get closer to the Flag Smashers, uh, which ends in this big uh, street fight, getting his own ass kicked. He had a little camera there that was, re- that was recording the whole thing, and he sends this all to Sam, revealing that he's concerned about a disarmingly strong new supervillain on the streets. Hmm. But then we get to the big sort of cliffhangery, sort of like, oh my gosh, sort of moment in the episode. It's uh, Sarah then rushes into the room, turns on the television. There's a press conference going on, and it's interest- introducing a new Captain White America. Uh, Stefanos, what did you think of sort of the Switzerland thing and, you know, the flag smashes and all of that, and then ending this episode on the reveal of. The new Captain America, who I think probably in the show later will be referred to as U.S. agent. Well, for first, how nice of the Flag Smashers to have their own Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought that I as well. I that when I saw it. <laughs> I was like, are they just playing Pokemon Go? Is this like the Torres is going to be like, is this the Flag Smashers? No, this is a raid on um, a Pikachu den. <laughs> although, although, to be fair, it is actually quite clever. Like, I, I will have to give it to them. The, the way they did the, the, the robbery with all the masks, it really reminded me of Point Break and a bit of some other classic heist films. But I think the most interesting part is Sam's reaction to it. The fact that he told Torres to keep it between the two of them, don't say anything to anyone else. Uh, especially for the fact that there is a super-powered individual. And I think that kind of goes back to Hayward and uh, the fact that apparently some members of the government uh, don't have power individuals in on a good eye at the moment. And, and maybe that will continue on. Uh, so I still don't have final opinions about it yet because I want to see how it's going to progress. For now, it's fine. Um, even though that person did hurt some people, he didn't do it like permanent damage so far. So that might end up not being like so villainous as we thought. But again, we don't know much so far. And even for Zemo, which we know he's going to appear later on, we don't know if he's connected to them in any way, or maybe he's the leader, or maybe against them. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for. Um, why Wyatt Russell, uh, the uh, U.S. agent, the the person that the government chose instead of Sam. Uh, like I said before, I knew almost all of that. I, I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
it was something I was anticipating, and especially by the end of the episode, I was did I could see that happen. Even though all that is true, I still felt exactly what Sam felt, and I think it's like a testament to both Anthony Mackie and and the filmmakers. Also, the music also very much because they do play the classic um, Captain America theme from Winter Soldier, but completely almost bastardized, almost feeling mm-hmm. like a, a tragedy, like a mistake, and mm-hmm. which uh, which again then actually after I watched the episode, I realized that the person who makes the announcement is the same person that Sam had like shakes his hand in the mm-hmm. in the museum. Which that itself is such a shady move to do. The fact that he donated this to be admired by everyone, you use it just for your own benefit. As like you, Jake said, like all of a sudden, the government just wants to return to normal. Like, which, like, as we all said, that's not possible, but they want to do it because, in a way, to not necessarily bring control but to bring this illusion of normalcy. And uh, it's definitely interesting. And of course, that, of course, the race, once again, is definitely there because if they want to have a new Captain America, they could easily just ask Sam as that would have made sense. But yeah, no, but they chose with this random bloke, which we still don't know much because um, uh, the, the character of the comics is very diff- many different variations of personalities mm-hmm. and versions so we don't know where exactly they could head with him personally I think he could be connected to all of it because this show does seem like this conspiracy show a conspiracy thriller that all the every aspect I can somehow connect it mm-hmm. but yeah so far um, I'm pissed as Sam is a uh, huge blow to the community and definitely not the right choice for the current times. Yeah, definitely. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I thought it was it was a great way to end the episode. Like Stefano said, like the music did a lot to, to add to that as well. I think that it's really interesting that, you know, you've got this character put in the mix here like that because as we mentioned, you know, it, it, it can add to that story of, you know, race and, you know, the government's intervention. And as soon as I saw that character where he was like, thanks, you've done the right thing, Sam. And I was like, is this guy going to be evil? And it was like, yeah, he is, you know, and yeah, I got got Haywood vibes from him from the beginning. (laughs) Exactly. It was, I was very much getting Haywood sort of vibes. And again, I hope it doesn't go down the line of just like, oh, you know, sort of mustache twirling. (laughs) I'm going to shoot some children kind of stuff. (laughs) But at the end of the day, if they're still making an allegory of like, well, it's because he's a white guy and, you know, that I'm like, well, yeah, that's fine if you want to do it that way because again that's you that's the villains you want to paint in this story to emphasize you know the struggles of those of color etc which you know i i assume that this story is going to tell especially by the fact that we see you know wyatt russell as you know this u.s agent john walker character who you know walks up to the camera at the end and i I don't know. I, I almost kind of like laughed in the way that like he, he just, just didn't look right. He's like, he, he's he got so goofy and uh, yeah. And also, uh, I don't know what it is. I'm sorry, people, but he just looks like he has a punchable face. 
<laughs> yeah, I just think he looks, he just looks like a goon, doesn't he? He just looks like a smug potato faced goon. And I think that's intentional. I think it's kind of, I think he's almost not meant to look like he quite fits the helmet. He doesn't quite fit the the suit. I think that's an intentional thing. And what Stefanos was saying is, again, I don't know where they'll go in terms of, you know, is he evil? Is he just a puppet? But I wouldn't be surprised if they go along the line of like, he's somewhat involved or he's sinister because so much comic book stories recently, people are just eating up that kind of like Homelander, like the hero who's like actually villainous and who's actually a dick and, you know, puts on this front in, in, in front of the audience. You know, I could very much see them doing a kind of MCU version of Homelander with him. And I think that would be a great opportunity and it could be quite fun. Um, Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll make it more the government side and he is just literally the puppet. But I think we've seen similar stuff to that Mm -hmm. in the MCU before. So I would want to see him be more like, no, I'm actually just a douchebag kind of thing. Mm. I think that that would be quite refreshing. And and why did the government choose this character again? If it's just because he has, you know, a appealing face, then, you know, it's not as interesting. Whereas if it is because he is like dangerous and, you know, he, but he is... I don't know, maybe we could even say that he is got somewhat white supremacist tendencies, then that would be a huge, you know, uh, message and, you know, commentary to make um, about the type of people that the government employ for law enforcement and for protecting people. I think that that would be a really, really impactful commentary if they make him, you know, a a racist or something Mm. like that. Again, as we've seen with Homelander and those kind of characters. So Mm. I think that that would be interesting if they go down that line. Again, I'm not putting too much expectations. I think it was a good way to end the episode. I said when we watched WandaVision, I was a bit iffy on the end of the first episode. It didn't really give me enough to sort of be like, yeah, and let's get straight on to episode two because they released them as two episodes. Whereas this, I felt that like it it was a really nice package. It was like, it was pretty much perfect in terms of how they balanced everything in terms mm-hmm. of the characters and story and they ended in in a really satisfying way i'm interested to see how the flag smashers will progress because like you said in the episode they were like oh yeah that guy's strong and i was like i hope he's not just strong because he just literally <laughs> booted somebody well, into like a lamppost it looks like he's like superhuman to me so if he isn't then that's just ridiculous well <laughs> i was gonna ask this because with that guy being super strong and um U.S. agent, this new Captain America, have they been injected with the super serum? Because we've seen throughout the history of the MCU that they've have experimented with the super uh, super, or they've tried at least. You know, uh, Bruce Banner obviously tried, and then it, it turned him into the Hulk. You know, uh, Thunderbolt Ross used it in the Incredible Hulk, or a variation of it, which turned Blonsky into the Abomination. So, have mm. they been injected with the super serum? And also, how tainted is it? Is, you know, the taint of the super serum going to make them evil? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, or is it a way of controlling these people? So I, I think we need to know that as well. Like, who is, is this guy, like, super strong, like Captain America? Or is he just, you know, a, a military guy sort of type of thing? So I think the, the serum is floating about there. Or else why would one of the leaders of the flag smash, uh, flag smash, flag smashes, I can't be, I can't, honestly, I can't say that name seriously. No, it's silly, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we, need, we need to come up with a def- better name. <laughs> the flags. It's funny. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because that's what um, Sam says in the bidding. He's like, what, bad guys coming up with bad names now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to see how the super serum comes involved in this story as well because i think it has to have an element to play 
Well, we've also, we know Zemo's coming as well, don't we? So the fact that Zemo has previously been involved with the serum to a degree because there was just the, the great fake out of Civil War in which they were like, oh yeah, he's trying to like bring about these like multiple Winter Soldiers, these like, you know, Mm. ultimate warriors and then it was just the fact that he was just like yeah i just wanted to shoot them all in the head and you were like oh right that that's really cool <laughs> so it'd be interesting if he then somewhat turns around on that stance and goes actually i do want to use it for my own gains um or if he actually stays true to his word and it's just like no these people are dangerous i don't want them to live i think that that uh, could be interesting to see if he has a part in that and what his moral stance is on it considering his past experience with not wanting to unleash that kind of carnage into the world but again he's maybe a different person after everything that happened in civil war and we know that uh bucky is is gunning for him and is after him and i think there's also interesting that i think kevin feige etc have said that he is inspired by the the acts of thanos etc you know Mm. and that's what the flag smashers represent that he and it makes sense again for his character it makes total sense that Mm -hmm. the character who previously had his beliefs and what he's gone through in sokovia would then be like sympathizing or relating to what this evil tyrant wanted to do which is similar to what he wanted to do we need someone to inspire us again someone who can be a symbol for all of us so on behalf of the department of defense and our commander-in-chief it is with great honor that we announce here today that the united states of america has a new hero join me in welcoming your new Captain America. Let's finish off with the final words on this show. Uh, sorry, on this episode. Uh, Stefanos, I go to you. What's What do you have to say about this first episode? And what do you think is going to happen next? I was very much expecting the other things that happened. I didn't expect the depth of the quiet moments as even though it was a longer episode that we used of with this show so far when it came to the personal moments i didn't feel and like any uh, any differently than i did before with wandavision because i was so invested in them that i didn't realize that uh, half an hour just passed by i hope they keep it as personal and if there's one thing I hope for the story is to have a very good plot. Because that is the one thing that a lot of uh, spy or action shows fail after a while where they don't have a sh- very strong plot and mystery to keep it going to the very end. So even though I do say that I think all these sto- storylines will converge to each other somehow connect it, it's far more based on my um, personal will that I want it to be like that. Because then is I think, uh, all of the whole mystery will pay off better. And But again, I'm trying not to think too much because, uh, unfortunately, all these theories, all these theories, they kind of ruined, for a lot of people, the experience of WandaVision, even though WandaVision was never that. So... Even if the show ends up just being, unlike WandaVision, just a personal story of these two people, I'll be okay with it. Yeah, I'm pretty much insane with you. Like, I think it's 
a riveting new entry to the MCU and more exciting than I anticipated. You know, as I said, it was one of my least anticipated of these Disney Plus shows. Uh, but with this first episode, I was hugely impressed uh, with the amount of depth and also the stellar action in it. You know, some really, really good character development. Like these two underrated characters finally get some shine on them after years. Uh, you know, it's got spectacular story and it's got a, um, a story that I think is sure to keep audiences engrossed over the course of the next six weeks like pretty confident marvel studios is going to have another hit on their hands but dave what do you think of the, of the first episode yeah like you guys i think that you know i'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes like stefanos i hope that they keep it grounded and saw like about these two characters which from what we've seen it seems like that they're going to go into the dynamics we've seen from the trailers there's that whole so I think the therapist like ends up talking to them. Is, is it the same therapist? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I so, think go so back yeah. on the trailer. Um, so I think that that's interesting. That you know, it's going to be talked about how they hate each other. We've seen that you know they're <laughs> having that fight on top of the lorry and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's going to be a good balance of action and drama and kind of like you know why i've mentioned with like homelander and stuff like the boys you know i don't mind if they have one of the episodes is more of a kind of like talking going through the emotions of the past and that kind of stuff and then another episode is more so like a, a mission kind of aspect to it but like stefano said i think that it you know it will have to have some ramifications it can't just be kind of like a one and done like oh yeah you know like we we sorted that little problem out before it, it become too big a problem i think that you know it, it does need to have a good story a good plot to it and i think that they got all the pieces in place to do that i think that you know already you know carrie scogland has shown that i think the fact that you've got like three of the most compelling characters in the mcu including baron zemo because of you know why he did what he did in civil war so i think that they could really go with some interesting commentary with that alone but also all the the real world reflections. So I hope that they I hope they go with that. I hope that they don't just kind of skirt around it. I, I hope that they really go for it. I, or I'll I'll respect them and appreciate them a lot more if they do. I, I'm not saying that I'll hate the show if they don't, but I think it would be a missed opportunity if they don't really go for a big sort of mm -hmm. message with this, um, which I think would be great. And by the looks of it, it looks like they're they're doing something special already. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to go along with the ride. Um, I think it's been really impressive. I think it worked really well as a tight, you know, sort of 40 minutes. And unlike, again, like WandaVision, you know, I felt that it did justify that end credits a bit more, even though, you know, it, we joke that it's like five to 10 minutes long. I kind of did feel it earned it by the end of it. I didn't feel I was like, oh, you know, 20 minutes for then like seven minutes of credits. It's still a bit ridiculous for 40 minutes, but I felt that, Maybe because we've already had like the Civil War and Winter Soldier credits, which are similar. So there's that familiarity there. But I felt that there was a bit more of an aspect of because it's a spy thriller, it kind of made sense with the credits and you were seeing clues and the posters. It kind of fit in with the, the general aesthetic of the entire thing. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe WandaVision just needed to have more sitcom-y related kind of stuff to make it all tie together. So I think that that is interesting. And also there's a few things in there which I thought was like, ooh, you know, like we saw the Winter Soldier, the the words that trigger him, uh, like peeled behind like some mm -hmm. posters and stuff like that. And the fact that Zemo's coming up, I'm like, oh, you know, is, is that going to come up again? Is he going to trigger, you know, Bucky? I think that that, you know, would be interesting as well if we, we see the return of those, uh, you know, the book you know all that kind of stuff i think that would be quite cool so yeah i'm really looking forward to what's to come and uh yeah i can't wait to sort of break it all down and see what we get next week
Yeah, exciting stuff, exciting stuff. So let's get out of here then. So uh, thank you everyone for listening so much to this review episode. We always appreciate people coming on board every week to listen to us speculate, theorize, and geek out about all the cape shit that we love. So before we get out of here though, Stefanos, where can people find you? And would you like to let them know of anything you're getting up to at the minute? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at SYFlorakis. And you can find a lot of my work on Fresh Take. I have a couple of reviews for two episodes of WandaVision that we did back when the show was on air. And later on in the week, uh, there's going to be an article about my predictions of this year's Oscars and kind of really having deep dive on the six big categories. Fantastic stuff. It's great to have you on board. You bring some really new and fresh insight into this superhero world that we all love. So, yeah, really nice to have you aboard. Dave, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, you can also catch me on freshtakehub.com. And so we got some exciting stuff on there. Uh, in the last episode I was in, I teased about my video essay, which is now out. So if you love all that Marvel stuff and cape shit, as we often refer to it as, then please do go to youtube.com. Uh, check out Fresh Take Hub, which is the channel. And I've got my first video essay on there, which is... Uh, Spider-Man the first Avenger so if you're a big fan of the Sam Raimi films um, or you're a big fan of the Tom Holland films and you just want to be offended then <laughs> go uh, go check those out uh, go check it out uh, I had a lot of fun making it and yeah hopefully a lot more stuff like that to come soon fantastic stuff you can uh, also find me on twitter i'm on twitter at sweaty jake uh, and you can find capes cows and mask on twitter at capes cows and mask and we are also on facebook be tuned because we got a lot of exciting stuff coming down your way this week alone we've got our spoiler review of Zack snyder's justice league with special guest rob ailing that's really exciting can't wait for you guys to listen to that uh, and we've also got our weekly news shows where we'll be breaking down all the news and also with tom gapper uh, uh, giving you our weekly comic pull list so that's really exciting stuff so if you're enjoying this review and all our ab- other episodes please listen and subscribe to us on anchor spotify apple podcast whatever you use definitely leave some stars leave a review it all helps us go up in the rankings and the best thing you can do is actually share this podcast and tell all your friends this is the falcon and winter soldier review show to be listening to so We'll see you all next week. Once again, thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone, and take care now. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye.